Welcome to Jala and her looking glass. Follow the white rabbit. Finding yourself in the middle of an extraordinary situation. The situation often challenges your beliefs and changes your life. The white rabbit is so curious, so strange, that we cannot help but to follow him. I am not crazy. My reality is just different from yours. How do we construct reality? First of all, there's no such thing as one reality. Reality is not objective, quite the contrary. We do perceive our world based on individual experiences, on our individual past and our upbringing and our individual social context. So no objective reality, guys, I'm sorry. Back to this, for the first seven years of our lives, our brain is primarily in the state which is called alpha and theta. And the best way to describe this is probably meditative state that comes closest to theta state. And in this state, we are downloading our concepts of reality. That is a rather passive thing, right? Because we have no actions there. We are young. We don't know what to do with ourselves. We're kids. So we are downloading concepts which are based on the beliefs of our parents, of our culture, of our environment, friends, etc. Based on their beliefs and also the common cultural understanding and the world we live in, we are therefore getting our concept of reality and we will carry it with us moving forward into puberty and adulthood. And those basic belief systems fundamentally shape how we see the world and how we view what's real and what's not. There is a socially agreed common understanding of what's real and what's not, social regulations, what's easy and what's not, what's hard, what's expected of you as a woman, as a man, as a child. Those are all those downloaded beliefs which shape and form how we are at the very early stage of our life. Or maybe not how we are, but how we perceive ourselves in this construct of reality and therefore what reality is and how we perceive that. And this in combination with the fact that our brain is constantly making assumptions of what we see in terms of sensory assumptions. So when we walk around in a world where we expect a lot of trees and nature and we come across a boulder in the distance, we might not be sure if this is a tree or a bush or if that is a bear or if that is something else like a car. So we might be wondering because our brain is not really sure what assumption to manifest at this particular moment. So the closer we get, we might see different shapes until our eyes can depict 
if it's really a boulder, a bear or a car. And I guess every one of us experienced things like that, especially in a new environment where it's dark and you're alone and you don't know what the fuck is lurking back there um, across the corner. So that's the thing. Not only do does our brain determine the framework of what we are about to perceive, also in addition, almost 95% of our information is being filtered subconsciously. And those filters we are not aware of. Because if I ask you, so tell me, how do you filter your reality? What are the subconscious filters you use? You might not be able to answer this right. So which means we are constantly creating our reality based on automated assumptions and subconscious filters. Isn't that fun? <laughs> But that's also necessary. We do need those so-called blind spots because the way we shape our reality, the way how we think and feel and react, those are unreflected actions. That's why we call them blind spots because we don't see them. We are not aware of them. <laughs> so if we were to move into a consciously awareness of knowing what our blind spots are, how we differentiate the world, we would actively induce a, a certain level of awareness and then we can discover the filters and we also will be able to understand what programs are determined how we perceive us and the world around us. We can't keep up this constant state of awareness because at a certain level we do need a reduced complexity in life. Otherwise we would simply go insane. So we're constantly being bombarded with a huge amount of information and we sort of need those guardrails in order to not go insane and be able to operate. And those guardrails might be things like our belief system, automated patterns, processes, experiences. So whenever we get up and put on our shoes, go to the car and start driving, we do not have to have a certain level of a constant awareness of what we see and what we do. That would be just insane. But, of course, how boring would it be to just simply always rely on this autopilot program, right? So, wouldn't you rather want to control how you view the world and how reality is being constructed around you? So, all I'm asking is, would you not rather sit in a driver's seat than being driven? And if your answer is yes, then welcome. That's why you're here. <laughs> so you might as well be just a little bit crazy. So how do we now actively create our reality? How do we do that? 
So the answer is actually quite simple. And I'll try to demystify this concept a little bit and make it a bit more easier to understand what to do and how to do it. So first of all, knowledge is key. Knowledge is your friend always. <laughs> that being said, you should always also be aware that knowledge might just be a snapshot of how you perceive the world right now. Well, so if you are aware of how our brain works and how we do perceive reality and how the brain is constructing informations and blind spots and filters and patterns and awareness, if you know all that, then you can also literally get into control. Secondly, awareness is key. Knowing your blind spots, your patterns and understanding what your triggers are. And that's very, 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 very important. So you do need to know your triggers because those triggers will, will kick off automated patterns, subconscious behaviors, feelings, beliefs and emotions. And in order to break through those patterns, the first step is to realizing what your triggers are and when you lose consciousness, consciousness, when you lose consciousness, no, when you lose the awareness, when you slip into subconscious patterns, when you are being steered rather than steering it. So that's where you have to really be aware because if you know those pressure points, you can then, and that's the next step, rewire them. You can then decide not to follow the white rabbit but rather follow something else. So the moment you take control in understanding of how you're being wired and what is triggering you and what that then really means in terms of thinking, feeling and behaving, you have the power to follow whatever you think you want to follow and whatever you are willing to create. That, of course, also requires a lot of repetition and a lot of practice. And most importantly, it requires action. So, and by action, I mean neuroplasticity. So practice neuroplasticity in order to become the creator of your reality. What is neuroplasticity then? It's the ability of the brain to be modified, to recreate new connections and also to rewire itself. And that's great. That's really, really great news because that moment you realize that you're not victim to your brain, you're not victim to something which has been downloaded to your system when you were seven years old, to put it quite dramatically. That gives you the power to get into the driver's seat and decide where you want to go with that. Of course, the moment you have the realization, you might not be able to change the car you're sitting in, okay? <laughs> but as of this moment, you will be able to ignore all the normal signs, which you usually followed, and instead going somewhere else, or even creating new signs, which you, as of now, did not see yet. But now with this new knowledge, you have the ability to explore those and that's just lovely so how can we do that so every thought produces a chemical and every chemical 
produces a neurological pathway in our nervous system, which then shapes our nervous system. And our nervous system determines which emotions are triggered, which hormones and neurotransmitters are being released, and therefore what thoughts are being <laughs> triggered and established. So the devil's wheel, so to say. And the more we think one thought, the more of the same chemical is being re released. And now you understand that this is a pattern and patterns are strong, strong things. Because if I decide to go down one path and one path only in order to go to my car, and let's just picture a meadow, then if I choose repeatedly one path, I will be able to create a pathway and the meadow will disappear on the very footsteps I take every day. And that's the same with patterns and thoughts and our neurological pathways. And unfortunately, evolutionary brain, which is very prone to negativity because we need to be able to grasp dangerous situation quite, quite quickly, our lovely evolutionary brain detects negative emotions and thoughts way easier than positive ones. It's the five to one rule. So five positive thoughts will replace only one negative thought. So we have to work hard <laughs> in order to create new pathways or replace negative ones. That's hard work, guys. So you need to really practice and take action. So thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body. If we also practice to connect good thoughts with good feelings and vice versa, that's the key to create new pathways, which then will be altering our subcon subconscious filters and therefore create new reality. And simply said, when you change the way you look at things, things change. And neuroscience has proven that we can change our brains by thinking differently. So through the concept of mental rehearsal, practice, 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 the circuits in our brain can reorganize themselves to reflect our new intentions. And that's neuroplasticity. So it's very important to connect the new thoughts with the new feelings so that we have our body and our brain aligned and coherent. That's very important because usually we think something and then we feel differently and that's where the system is off and this is why it doesn't work then because we're absolutely confused what's happening there. So we need to be in a coherent state of aligned thoughts and aligned feelings. And here's the fun part. When we do this mental rehearsing, which is more or less maybe meditation or sitting down and thinking about a certain situation where you conquer, let's say, your fear of heights. So you picture yourself standing on a balcony and feeling perfectly fine and at ease and looking down and having no issues at all. So if we have this mental rehearsal, the brain won't be able to differentiate between the real experience and what we mentally rehearse and vividly imagine. So our brain and nervous system will produce the very same hormones 
and release the same neurotransmitters as if we were actually experiencing the real situation. Which actually means, if we look at it through a different lens, that we do live in a constantly controlled hallucination. Because our brain will not understand the difference between a thought or an experience. And a thought will always trigger a feeling and vice versa. And if that is the case, if we're living in a constantly controlled hallucination, why not create a reality which is just as wonderful as our imagination? Mm -hmm.